Hi friends, it's Kayla Moranen. Welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. So happy to be back on the mic with you guys. Happy November, happy fall, happy my birthday month, happy... I don't know, just everything is going really, really well. I think you can tell I am chipper, I am excited, I am energized, I'm exhausted, but in the best way possible. And I'm just really looking forward to all that there is to share and all that's to come. I've been hinting at this for quite a while now, and I am so much closer to finally being able to share with you all the really cool things that are going on. And I'm starting to hint at them little by little publicly. So be sure to follow me on social media to know what's happening. Kayla Moran on all platforms, Kayla Moran Law, Connect to Social, and at the Let's Get Candid podcast, of course. And I'm just really excited to chat with you guys. I know I've been MIA or very sporadic with episodes, but I just needed to take a step back in October and really just feel. And, you know, reflect and really become reorganized and intentional with my life. And I did that. The end of September was really, really hard. And... October was rocky to begin with, mid-October, and then I just had a breakthrough in the last two weeks, and things have been really, really good, and I'm finally just, I'm in it. I'm ready to, to go hit the ground running, and I can't wait to share with you guys, but this isn't about me. I will be doing a solo episode in the next two weeks for my birthday, my 26th birthday solo episode. We're going to do a Q&A. We're going to do a true life update. And we're going to chat and we're going to get really, really clear on what my goals and visions and intentions and manifestations are for year 26 and 2020. But like I said, enough about me. We will be talking about that in the next two weeks. I have some really exciting episodes for you guys the next few and I'll mix that one in. Um, I know I've been owing you guys that one for quite some time, but let's talk about the suck and sweet of the week and then dive right into this week's conversation so suck of the week hmm honestly i really i'm exhausted but like in the best way possible i've been staying up a lot later and you know waking up a lot earlier but i'm just busy and like i'm enjoying being busy and i'm doing the things that i've set out to do for so long and i'm making shit happen and it feels really good i've been really intentional about my time and my to-do list and my calendar is just we're booked and busy but it's it's a really good booked and busy you know i'm overwhelmed in the best way possible but in all honesty i really haven't felt overwhelmed this week maybe because i took a vacation finally and i hadn't truly taken one and i don't even know how long so that was nice and i'm in a really good place and i honestly don't have a suck for you guys this week my sweet of the week is that I am a yoga girl now. I am obsessed with yoga. I go to Open Door Yoga in Coconut Grove here in Miami. I'm obsessed. They have really good deals. Unlimited for $150 a month. And it's you get a free t-shirt and you get an event, like one free event that they do throughout the month, every month. And it's called the Stew Society, their membership. It is absolutely incredible. I love the studio and i love all the instructors i've taken classes with and i'm trying to go two to three times a week sometimes i'll even go four 
and um, I'm wanting to get into Pilates as well and then that will be my workout routine and I'm thriving, I'm enjoying it and I'm just in a really good place because yoga has become an integral part of my routine in the last two months and it's just, it's changing my life, truly. Like, I know people say that jokingly, but no, it's so true. And I've gotten to have a couple of really cool connection calls with mentees of mine. And truly, I think I've mentioned this before, but being a mentor is such an incredible feeling because you not only get to help the next generation, you also get to reflect on your growth and how far you've come and you learn things about yourself. And that has been a really integral part of my growth and healing journey the last eight, nine months since I've been an attorney. And now that I'm a second year attorney and entering a new chapter, I feel like that adjustment period is over and things are really, really good. So yeah, I'm I'm honestly doing really well right now. And I know you guys can hear it and I, I love that. And I'm so excited for this week's episode with Clara. She is the co-founder of Curtsy. There is four of them. And we dive into how Curtsy came to be, how they became co-founders and how it grew and how it's become the app that we all know and love to shop consignment style. You can shop vintage, you can shop brand new with tags, you can shop in so many different ways on this app. We dive into all of them and how it's different from like a Poshmark or thrifting at a Goodwill in person. And I just... I'm, I was skeptical, I'll be honest. I was really skeptical about Curtsy, but I've heard about it for a really long time and I had the opportunity to talk with Clara because my friend works with Clara at Curtsy and shout out to Sam for connecting us. And I had such a fun time chatting with her. She's a little older than me, but she's our age. She's, she's one of the girls and she is, you know, figuring it all out as she goes too. And I think that's the beauty of this podcast is getting to talk to so many people in so many different very like different industries but we all have a lot in common and we're all just figuring it out together she's an entrepreneur in the tech space she's a california girl now but she's from the south and like that transition and how she made it how she made it work for herself and her friends her family and her business and we talk all about it and there's so much great advice in here if you are maybe a little lost and don't know what you want to do or you have a really cool idea and you want to go all in but you don't know how and i really hope you guys enjoy i think this is going to be such an incredible episode for you guys and i've been really excited for you guys and i know clara and the curtsy team are really excited for you guys to get to know them so without further ado if you like this episode please leave a rating and review please subscribe to the show share with a friend tag us as you're listening let me know who you want to see next or what topics you want me to cover next and i hope you guys all enjoy this episode meeting clara getting to know curtsy and i hope you guys all go shop i'll link it down below have a good week i'll talk to you guys soon meet clara so Clara, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you or curtsy because your account is private? Oh, interesting. Oh, is my account private? I go, I go on and off. Um, that's so interesting. Um, maybe from curtsy, I definitely, that's been an interesting thing is I kind of have a, a, a personal personality and then I definitely have a more business personality. Maybe people probably would know I am pretty goofy. I got like I went to a big high school and you do like the senior superlatives, but there's only like 10 of them. And there was a thousand people in my grade. I don't know how I got this, but I was goofiest. That was my senior year superlative. So I think probably from following curtsy, 
you might not get that. That is probably what you would be surprised by. And also people are surprised I'm from the South, I think, because Curtsy is very tech, uh, you know, we were based in SF. So I think people are always surprised. Um, I was talking to someone on the phone the other day who had a Charlotte area code and told them I was from Charlotte. They're like, no way. So I also think that comes as a surprise too. Yeah. I went to a huge high school also. My graduating class was 721 people. Um, I didn't get any superlatives like the school-wide, but in my dance team, we did superlatives too. And I got most likely to be in a telenovela, which is like a soap opera, like the Latin soap operas. Oh yeah. Telenovela. Yeah. And it's so funny because if you like listen to any of my TikToks or any of my dating stories, it's like, you are literally living in a soap opera. <laughs> so I did manifest um, that for myself, I guess. Um, but yeah, I love that. I never would have known that you were from the South had Sam not told me and had I not talked to you and like really talked to you a couple weeks ago. So that's funny that you say that. Yeah. William, actually, though, my co-founder and brother, he, his, I always think this is hysterical. His high school superlative was most likely to create the next iPhone app, which is hilarious. He graduated. Also manifested high school and, like, that he's in the tech world. He built an app and a website. So there you go. Yes. Yes. And he graduated in like 2011 when the term iPhone app, I mean, that's a pillar that doesn't exist today, but that was when apps were huge, like the creation of them, people were discovering them. So I think that's hysterical. Yeah, no, that's so funny. Yeah. So take it back. What is Curtsy and how did this idea start? Yeah. So probably started eight-ish years ago. I should have counted back in 2015, I think was the original idea. So yeah, pushing, pushing eight years ago, which is crazy. And Curtsy is a, an app. Um, we mostly 18 to 35 year old women currently use Curtsy. Anybody can use it. My co-founder's mom is, you know, 55 and she has bought hundreds of things off Curtsy, but it's an online uh, resale platform for women across the U S to buy and sell their clothes to and from each other. Not similar, but similar concept to Poshmark and Depop and other, um, other companies like that. But we got our start eight years ago. The initial idea actually came from my college roommate, who her birthday's today. Um, she, we lived in Tridel at Ole Miss. So we lived in a sorority house with 70 or 80 other women. And I think Kip's original idea, every single day or weekend at Ole Miss, you need some big outfit you have to wear for a football game or a formal or something. And so we had the luxury. We had 50 plus closets or I guess 70 plus closets that we could just run to before every event. So we never had to buy anything. And the initial idea was how can we create like one big closet on a college campus? And that's where Curtsy was born from there, just wanting to have access, affordable, easy access to other people's, other women's closets on campus, knowing that so many people have awesome dresses they're not wearing that night. So why don't you wear it? And so that's where the initial, initial idea came from. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I love that. I was in a sorority too. I never lived in the house, but I remember that, you know, you would still do that. Even if you didn't live in the house, you would go get ready at the house. Like, you know, hair and makeup, you would go done, but then you would take your outfit and your shoes. And then you'd be like, Oh, like, wait, you're not gonna wear that. Can I try that on? Like you, your outfit might end up changing or you'll wear something to a semi-formal. And then someone else is like, Ooh, like, are you ever going to wear that again? Can I buy that off of you? And you're like, yeah, sure. My mom all the time is like, do you still have this dress? I'm like, no, she's like, did you sell it at some point? I'm like, I would assume so because I don't know what happened to it. Like so many dresses. I, I And I'll look through old pictures. I'm like, oh, that would have been cute. Like, I guess I must've gotten rid of that. Or I like gave it to somebody because yeah. like you would really only wear them one time and 
That was Absolutely. it. That was, I feel like I went to college. I started college in 2012, like right when Instagram came out, or at least it was starting to get popular. And so it was kind of the prime Instagram generation where you were putting, you were Instagram posting like two to three times a week. Now it's kind of like, you know, slacked off a bit, but you were really interested in having a new outfit every single weekend and a big, you know, um, party, like formal and date party school, like we'll miss. You need so many outfits and financially it's not attainable. And also it can be really wasteful by senior year. I'm looking at my closet and I can't tell you how many dresses I've had that you've only worn once. And so that's, I mean, it just made perfect sense. I think um, Kip, the my roommate who thought of the original idea was wanting to create like a Facebook page. Um, and then it was my brother who, he was a year above us and he has always been an entrepreneur. And he was like, you know what? I think we can do, he was in the computer science program and he was the one who was really pushing like, okay, I think we can do something more. And then the app was born. I, I love stories like that where almost... I think the best types of entrepreneurs are usually people who see a need in the market. They see the white space and they go and do something about it. And that's why they're so successful because there's truly a passion for it. And, you know, you were solving an issue. You were solving a problem that you saw that multiple people in your community had. And then it became something so much bigger. Um, and something that you told me when we first spoke was that you never really had a real job. You you started Curtsy and that became your full-time job right out of college. You guys moved to San Francisco and it has scaled incredibly in the last eight years. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like, you know, building this app and then realizing like, okay, like, do I need to go get a real job? Should I look or should I just pursue this? Yeah. And so I was actually talking with one of my good friends about this. Um, I feel like the first few years we lived out in San Francisco, we never knew if we were going to be able to stay out here. I remember friends wanting to book a concert like three months down the line. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, what we're doing with currency. I don't know if we'll be here. Who knows? And so for the first few years, we definitely lived on the edge. Um, but I mean, it was, it was pretty easy. I was 21. I didn't know what else was out there. I was okay to make almost no salary, rode everywhere around on a Walmart bike to the grocery store. You know, it was 21. I think it would be a far different story if, you know, I'm 29 now. If I had to do this all now, I think you're far more risk averse, I think, the older you get. And so I think that's where uh, we had a really winning scenario. We were all young and very naive, which I think worked uh at the time, I think now knowing what I know about how to start a business, it's pretty daunting. I don't know if I would jump into it at 29 and just quit, you know, and at 21, we weren't quitting anything. So I think we were naive enough to just hop, hop right on in. And so I think, you know, we were all sharing bedrooms piled in a house in like Palo Alto, Mountain View, California, just south of San Francisco, like the heart of Silicon Valley. And I think it was, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know anything different. And so for other people who I guess had a more traditional story, moved back home or moved to a city and got a full-time job, they would look at us kind of with wide eyes and, you know, question, how are you doing that? But if you don't know any different, then I think you just kind of roll with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's such a great point. You do get a little bit more risk averse as you do get older. And I think it was that perfect line between being naive. I can't say the uh, like the plural version yeah, yeah, the of that, being naive <laughs> and taking a risk, you know, and it, and it worked out. You took a, a gamble and it, and it paid off so well, but how did you guys make ends meet? San Francisco is not a cheap city 
And I know you guys shared a house, you said, and like you would take public transport, but was anybody working a full-time job to help make things happen? Or like, how did you fund the start? That's a good question. Um, Coming from Mississippi, San Francisco was uh, far more expensive, unsurprisingly, than Mississippi was. Um, You just make it work. I think you spend the money that you have. So I think looking back on that time, we would all pile in. My brother had a car from high school. We'd all pile in his car. He drove it out from Mississippi, head to Trader Joe's for the week. And I remember I had a $40 budget for the week. This is what I can spend at Trader Joe's for a full week of groceries. We never ate out. We rode our bike everywhere. Um, I would always try to get like a free drink at the bars or something like that. But I mean, it was kind of like camp. Um, looking back, like you were living the college lifestyle still, even though you were outside of college, because that sounds like something that you would do in college or me in law school. Yes, that's exactly what we were doing. And we were all doing it together. We all made the same salary. We were all in it together. And it we treated it a bit like camp. We didn't have money or time to like go out to eat or go out. But also we were working on curtsy. We weren't we weren't having that much time to do that. So I think because we were all in it together, I mean. We all joined one of those gyms that's like $10 or $12 a month. So we would run every day at lunch to the gym and then we'd come back and we would go play tennis at the little free court after work. And then we'd come back and work. And I don't know, it was kind of just like a year, a year long camp. And then gradually, so we would raise curtsy. We um, moved out to California for YC, which is a startup incubator, which is kind of like startup camp. They bring now close to 500 companies. I think there was maybe like 100 or 150 companies the summer that we we were in YC. And you all get together for dinners and speakers and um, they help you uh, start your company. And so that was our initial funding round. I think we got 100,000 from them, um, which it still is a ton of money. But at the time that was just, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, we're rich. But I think one thing that we remained consistent about over the course of curtsy and even today is we would get a hundred thousand dollars, but we didn't raise our salary, right? We were still making nothing. And so about five or six years into curtsy, every investor we had was like, you need to pay yourselves more. You need to pay everybody else more, you know? And I think that is one of the reasons that we're still around today. I don't know why we were so frugal, um, but we were, and I think we were just being bootstrapped from the beginning in Mississippi and having no money. We were just used to not spending anything. And we, kept, you know, on a trend of not spending much or spending as little as we could, which I think is the only reason we, we are still around today. There were plenty of times where we were very low on money and would have been worse off had we, you know, raised our salary or anything like that. So. Yeah, no, that's definitely really smart that you guys, yeah, like you said, you don't quite know why you were, but it's a testament to to bootstrapping if you're able to. And it's really impressive in a tech company because like you said, like 100K is a lot of money and you could have been like, all right, we're going to go balls to the wall and use all of this and make it really great all at once and then not be strategic about it. But it helps that you guys had, you know, you guys are a group of co-founders and each person does something different and brings a different skill set and a different perspective and, you know, working together to build a strategy that, helps everybody achieve their goals for their side of the business probably also helped. Can you talk a little bit about how many co-founders, how they all came to be a part of it? I know one of them is your brother and what everybody does. Yes. So um, it gets a little funny when you talk about this. One of them is my brother. One of them is my now husband who I met the day I moved out to California. I didn't want to spoil that for you. I wanted you to be the one to say it. 
which is so funny. Uh, so yeah, there's four of us and we definitely each bring something very different to the table, which I also think is one of the reasons, a lot of luck too, obviously. I think any startup, if you're still around, you've had a hell of a lot of luck on your side for sure. Um, but also we're, we're four very different personalities that bring different sides to the table. And I think the most important thing in any co-founder relationship is respect. So then when you do reach a disagreement, you, if you respect the other person, even if you disagree, you're going to hear them out. You're going to listen to them. And I think that's where I've seen some co-founder relationships, uh, suffer is if, if you're not respecting the other person, then you don't respect their opinion. You're not going to listen to them. And then everything just goes downhill from there. So the four of us, my brother, my high school friend, David, and my now husband, Eli. So the connection, uh, William and David were, David was my year and William was the year above me. Uh, we all went to high school together and William and David actually created like two or three like rival businesses in high school. They created a few businesses together and then they also created several businesses that were like rivals to each other. So they were already used to working together and they knew how how they both worked. They actually ran the morning announcements for our high school for years. You know, like every morning you pop up and it's, you know, whoever, like your president, your high school president. Yeah, they David and William ran that for three or four years together, all of high school, funny. which was so funny. Yeah. Um, and then William was in the computer science program with Eli, my now husband at Ole Miss. And so when the curtsy idea was coming around, William is the true person who got everyone together. He was like, okay, my sister, she is, you know, outgoing. She could be our marketer. I think this will work out well. Also, I was the tried out. I was the one who, you know, was in the tried out house and was the closest to everything. Yeah. Um, he immediately got Eli, uh, they were friends in college and also he just knew he's a smart guy who knows computer science. And the funny story there is William actually called Eli the day after college graduation. Eli had accepted a job at FedEx, in, like FedEx headquarters in Memphis and was had already accepted that like a year previously with his internship, had an apartment in Memphis and was going to start work on Monday. And this this was a Sunday. And William calls Eli and says, hey, we've got this idea. I don't have any money. I can't pay you anything, but how would you feel about trying this app idea out? And Eli is like, well, I also don't have any money, so we got to find a way to get money first, but this sounds interesting. So that day, Eli actually called, I think it was that day or the day after he called like Ole Miss, um, the computer science graduate school and just said, hey, I'd love to apply to the graduate school. Also, I could be a TA. Can you pay me? And Ole Miss knew Eli was brilliant and really wanted him to graduate school. He hadn't even applied for the graduate school. They're like, yes, we'll take you. We'll pay you. We'll cover your tuition. Come work, you know, be a TA. And so that all happened within a day. Eli called FedEx and said, hey, I'm actually going to graduate school. And so Eli did graduate school in the morning, but was paid and, you know, had housing covered and then would work on curtsy at night. And I was a senior at that time. And so we all worked on the app for a few months and then we decided we needed a designer. And so William calls up. Actually, I shared something. There was like an article in the Oxford, Mississippi newspaper and it was on Facebook and I shared it to my Facebook and David commented on it and said, William, like this sounds really cool. Let's catch up soon. So William calls David. They chat briefly. David's living in San Francisco. They hadn't talked in a few years and in that conversation, William convinces David to move from San Francisco to live in his like storage shed in Oxford, Mississippi. And David 
came out, said he would only come out for like a week just to see what was going on. Loved it so much. Loved the idea. Ended up staying for the rest of the semester. And then we got into YC and moved out to California. So there you go. Long story long. Wild. <laughs> I love this story so incredibly much. Just the fact that Eli was like, yeah, sorry, FedEx. I'm going to go do this. And literally turns down a stable job with a great company. I know someone who's going to work in the legal department at Memphis at for FedEx yes. um, in law school. And the fact that this guy turned it down for some crazy idea and it worked and then also got a wife out of it like that's really cool and like really good friends and co-workers and the fact that you guys got someone who was already living in San Francisco to move back to the (laughs) south and then you guys were like actually let's all go to California now I just I think that's so funny um how it all worked out the funniest to me though is also David like the second David decided to move to Mississippi for a few months. Eli tells this story. I wasn't there, but David comes to the um, office space. We had an office space in Oxford um, from winning like a business plan competition. They provided us like a little office space. Um, And David, the day he gets there, quote, said, we will be back uh, in San Francisco within six months. And at the time, Eli's like, I've never even been to California. Like, you're crazy. What do you mean we're going to be in San Francisco in six months? You're nuts. And then, of course, like three months later, we were all packed, shipped to uh, to San Francisco. So he uh, he knew what we were what we were doing. That's awesome, though. It takes I love that not just you had a vision, but so did your brother. And each person had a vision for the company. And then you guys put it all together and we're like, all right, we're going to do this. And it happened so organically. Like you said, you posted that Facebook post that article and he re- David reached out and it was your tried out sorority sisters that like showed you that this could be something and you know reaching out to these pitch competitions through your school and they saw something in you and they they took up they they invested in you because they believed in you guys and I think going back to what I said earlier it is so, you need to truly believe in your product yourself because if if you don't then nobody else will and that's the biggest thing about being an entrepreneur it's like anyone can build a business but businesses that are going to thrive under pressure because it takes a lot to start a business and they're not always successful that a lot of times they're not successful in the first in the early years you know is having that vision and that dedication that's going to get you through on the days where there is no money or there is you know the website's down or something broke and like you don't know how to fix it and having the determination to keep going and also doing it all together and having something that brought you guys together outside of just work as well. Like you were friends, you were family. Like, I think that also helps, you know, it's, it's risky to work with your partner or work with your siblings or work with your best friends. But in this case, I think that also helped you guys. Yeah. And it is funny. I always hear the quote, like, and don't mix, I don't know what the quote is, something about you don't want to mix business and family. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, but I always hear that. And people always talk about that. But that truthfully, yet we've been around for eight years, has not even been a question of there's never been any instance where things have gotten so sticky or so, I, and I don't know why that is. Maybe we're just lucky that we all are pretty open people that talk about our feelings if we're having a big issue, because we have had plenty of difficult conversations and arguments and things we disagree on. There's never been an instance where it's like, oh this is really bad. We should not have been working with family. You know, I don't know. I so it is, 
what you said before the respect factor if that goes away that you know if everything else is going to fall in the communication like you said that you guys are very open you talk about things you're willing to have the hard conversations but also that each person has a different role they each serve a different role in the company and bring something different to the table I think that's the hardest when it's like best friends and they both do the same thing and have the same personality you know, they're going to clash because both of them want to do the cool fun side and someone has to do the business side. And okay, maybe it's not them, but they yeah. need to hire someone and they may not want to bring in someone from the outside. And then like that becomes an issue or something along those lines. So I think because everybody has something different and a different role, I think that and the trust and the communication, I think was the the, the recipe for you guys. And yeah, everybody's going to be different. Every company is going to be really different. And I think I mean, it could have also helped that we had like a years long relationship, mostly prior to working together. So we had, we came in with already trust with, you know, minus Eli. Eli was an outsider for David and I uh, until William knew Eli though. So yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Your brother uh, vouched for him and then it all worked out in more ways than one, Um, which I I would love to know. That's a whole nother like podcast episode, but which I, maybe we'll touch on that later, but I want to talk a little bit about what was it like building a tech app like once you're in these pitching competitions and talking to investors the early stages and also how it's different from now when you guys are fundraising and talking to investors and going out there and marketing curtsy like what was it like building an app that is partially a thrift store in a way but also tech-based and how they kind of work together how has that been the evolution so we have not raised money in probably like two years. I think I, I we talked about this last time. I didn't even look it up. I think our last round was about two years ago, I believe. Um, and so the space is so different even now than it was two years ago, especially like with this post-COVID craziness. I think raising money right now is extremely hard, which is why one of our main goals of the last few years was making sure we could reach profitability so we could stay you know, alive just because the thought of raising money, nobody knew. It's, it, the, the whole COVID, a lot of e-commerce businesses just completely boomed in 21 and then just sank in 22. You know, So it's just been interesting to kind of work around that. But the hard thing about it is every single company, there is no, there is no guidebook on here's how to raise money. There's plenty of books that will guide you through. Here's the general process of it. But every single person's experience and every company and every co-founder relationship is different. There's not one recipe for here's your recipe for success. Here's how you can do it. Here's what you should do. So I think it's a lot of kind of starting a company. It's the same concept of you kind of just start, you start figuring out, okay, call every single person in your network that you know, who has raised money, who's done this before, who knows anything about anything. That might be one person. And then you ask them for 10 other people you could call. Um, Lots of favors for sure when figuring out how to raise money or who to raise from. But that was just step one was just who and David had been out in San Francisco. So he had contacts uh, initially. And so that's who we called them and asked for references from them. Um, and then you just learn. It's like anything, you know, you just learn the process. Um, you get really used to a ton of rejection, um, you know, like 70 percent of people don't even reply and then you do have some meetings and 90 percent of those are an immediate no you know just very used to continual uh rejection and then you just get better at framing your company um and a lot of not everyone but a lot of people who you will be raising money from a lot of vcs 
are more interested in who you are. So it just depends. There are some people, if you can, you know, prove yourself, they're more interested in who you are. And that's kind of why I see our initial um, fundraising round, the startup incubator we did, they actually are more interested in who the co-founders are and what their relationship is and who are these people? Can they create something great? than the company you actually initially pitch, they are really early like seed. And so any company they invest in has just started. And so I'd say during our batch, probably like 50% or more of the companies actually pivot to an entirely different idea. And so why see you really invest in the founders and who they are? And then after that, obviously, it's your product and what you've created. Um, but there is no guidebook. I mean, you just learn as you go along. You take hundreds and hundreds of meetings and each one you get better at. Here's how you pitch. Here's what we think people are interested in. And then every year, the market changes on what people are investing in. And so Poshmark had an IPO, I think, I think they IPO'd, but they also sold. Yeah, yeah, they did an IPO and then they sold. Um, there were several companies in the resale arena that were not doing super hot just in general. And so that meant VCs are going to be less interested in investing in that. Um, so then we would need to change our pitch there for um, talking about our specific niche of millennials and Gen Z, mainly Gen Z who use curtsy. So you kind of just learn to adjust as you go along. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. One, having to, you know, being adaptable is a skill and, you know, knowing when to stick to your vision and also when to pivot and to change up your pitch strategy, depending on what's going on in the market and what you see your competitors doing and taking the feedback, taking the criticism, even though it sucks to hear no. But also one thing you said that I really liked, which is that the VCs are investing in the people. They're investing mm -hmm. in the idea, but also in the people. And do the people, are the people, because the vision is there and then are the people the right people to carry out that vision? And that's why sometimes you see companies have co-founders and then have a different person be the CEO. Sometimes the co-founder yeah. and the CEO are not the same person and that's okay. And does that model work for you guys versus, you know, should it be the same person? And, you know, the VCs will help you with that, the strategic business planning side of things. Um, but I like that you said that they invest in people. And I want to talk about, because I know someone, Natalie Barbu, founder of Rella or co-founder of Rella, that she's talked about this a lot and I've, I've seen it, you know, just being close to her, but having your co-founders helps you guys also when, you know, you do have those rejections and those bad days and you're frustrated and why isn't this working and is this still worth it? You know, like I said, you guys were a team and you guys shared the, the heartache and the struggles together. It wasn't just you doing it all alone, but you know, to switch to a more positive side, what has been your favorite curtsy memory in the last eight years building out this business, whether it's with the co-founders or just overall? Yeah. That's so interesting. My favorite curtsy memory. I mean, I have so many. We've gone through so many different phases as you were, you were touching on. I mean, the four of us have been through everything together. Um, the, there's been several times in the last eight years where we have run out of money or almost run out of money and we're sitting down and it's like, all right, what do we do? Should we, is this it? Do we close up shop? You know? Um, so I think some of those, like one of my, yeah. So one of my favorite memories was, this was years ago back when we were uh, rental. We actually started out as rental on college campuses. So it was just women renting their dresses to other women on campus. Um, and then long story on how we pivoted to buy and sell, but back in the rental days, um, 
that was what we started as. And it went really well at some college campuses. And then we reached a point like two years in where it just was not working. We had been just trying seven days a week, 24 seven to make it work. And it was not working. We're running out of money. Things are not looking good. And so I think the four of us booked like a camping trip, I want to say, because it was just going to be like, okay, we got to have a little retreat. It was only, it was the four of us. And then we did work with a, a few other people. And I think that camping trip, it was just the four of us. We went out and we just spent like two full days in the woods with a notepad, just being like, all right, what do we do? What do we want to do? This is not working. Do we have the energy and do we have enough money to pivot, to try something else? What would be the something else? And I think it's just kind of fun. It sounds like a bit like a movie. The four of us went out camping for two long days. We sat out there with a notepad, didn't know. Now it's pretty easy to look back and it feels pretty right for us to pivot to buy and sell. At the time though, buy and sell was not huge. Poshmark wasn't even huge yet. That was a big kind of gamble for us. Um, But that's, we came away from that weekend saying, okay, we are going to pivot to buying and selling. And so that that's one of my favorite curtsy memories. It was so long ago and we were such a small company. Um, but it feels kind of like a movie, you know? Uh, I think just the four of us realizing we didn't waste the last few years at all, but um, everything we'd been working towards, it was kind of a really sad like closing of the last, what we'd been working towards and then where are we going next? So that's definitely one of my favorite ones for sure. No, I love that. It does seem kind of like a movie, but it just (laughs) goes to show like going back to your roots and, you know, like the strategy and like coming together as a team and putting it all out there and seeing where everyone's at. And, you know, really, I think sometimes all it takes is a fresh perspective, whether it's someone from the outside or you guys just having like it's it's hard to pivot sometimes it feels like you're shedding on old skin or like you're losing a part of yourself or yeah you're saying goodbye to something but just because it's a goodbye doesn't mean it's you know a bad thing it could actually be a really really good thing and we're everybody evolves like if you're not evolving that's a problem you know so a business is going to evolve too and you know you took a risk like I said and like I think that's the theme like taking a risk and it paying off but just you know that you guys were even willing to try something new and you were like I don't know if this is gonna work but this could work and let's see yeah and then going from there I think yeah I mean that that's kind of like a movie too there's always that climax of like they do something different all of a sudden magically works out for them you know but that's that's also real life it just maybe doesn't look as pretty as in the movies but still true yeah that's why I think that like little weekend though is a fun anecdote um because I definitely think I mean I always think I love that quote from Andy in the office that says I wish what is it I think it's like I wish you knew you were in the good old days when you were in them something like that because I really used to look back over years of courtesy and be like oh remember when we were here remember when we all shared the same bedroom not bedroom but you know tiny little area remember when we worked in the kitchen but I think now you know these are even the good old days it's you know a group of us in the San Francisco office still pretty small you know so I think um I've been really lucky we've for sure had our fair share of terrible days at curtsy when we have had to have layoffs and um plenty of difficult days but I think uh definitely appreciating where you are while you're there is something that I've learned to uh, do over the years. And I'm still working on it for sure. Yeah. Being intentional and being present. Those are my two intentions for the year. And they have been for the last almost two years. And I think they're going to still be the same for 2024 because it's just, it's really hard 
to be present in the moment, you know, yes, you're being pulled in so many directions. How do you enjoy where you are right now? These are the good old days, not to say that there isn't going to be more in the future. There will be, but you also have to enjoy where you are right now and be intentional about where you're going next to not get so caught up in the future that you don't miss out on what could be right in front of you and you not even know it. Um, that is literally exactly like being present, be present. I like to set goals for every year. I set goals at the new year. I set my birthday, like tons of goals, always being present is one of them. I feel like we're similar in the sense, uh, like we're planners. We're always looking forward. If you have a business, you've got, you have to look forward. And I'm someone every vacation and every trip I plan it all. So I feel like I'm so used to just always looking at the future and it's hard for me to zone in on where I currently am. Um, and that's absolutely something I've always been working on. And even, even in curtsy, you have to forecast the future, but also where are we right now being present and thinking about where, where we are as a company too. That's, but it's so funny. It's literally been my goal for who knows how long still working, still working on it, but Hey, it's always a journey. Um, (laughs) what has been, you have, Question, question no, for you. Do you have any tips? How do you, how, how do you, you know, try to be present? What are things that you do that help you feel more present? I've really recently gotten into yoga and it's like, I'm not super great at the meditation aspect of it. I've been trying to do meditation as well. Um, and like journaling, sometimes I'm good at it. And most days I forget, or I'm just so tired, but I am always talking to my friends. So I'm always telling them what my thoughts and feelings are. And they make space for me to feel it. Even if they don't agree, they allow me to get it out. And then they're like, okay, like, are you, do you want advice or do you just want me to listen? Like, I have some thoughts, but like, let me know if you want to hear them. And normally I don't, but then on the off chance I do, I'm like, okay, like hit me. I know you have thoughts, like what? And they're always right. Like, you know, they know me well enough to know that you know, I need the guidance or they validate that I was right. And it's just, it's always like having, I think having the team and the support system is really, really important, but also just yoga and just taking the time to step away from what is bothering me and what is hurting and what is um, what I'm struggling with and just being in my body and like allowing myself to kind of check out for a little bit. And then when I come back into the moment, then I'm like, okay, I can see it differently. Like that fresh perspective, which I laugh at that statement because I was, I was a Kappa Delta at UCF. And then I was a Rho Gamma, which is like our, the recruitment guides and yeah, Gamma guys. Yeah. yeah. Different schools call it different things. And so I was a Rho Gamma. And one thing that we always said is like, obviously we take off our letters. So like, they don't know what we are when our PNMs, but we would always like, if, my PNM was struggling with like, I'm torn between Tridel and Katie. And you're like, in, in my heart, I'm like, I just don't see you in Katie because I know like what Katie is like, but like maybe, yeah. but I also don't see you in Tridel. Like I can't tell you it like that. But like, so if I'm struggling to figure out what I want to say, we'll pull another row gamma from somewhere else and be like, here's what's happening. Can you give her a fresh perspective? Like you're, because yeah. I'm too close to the situation. So maybe you might have a better view because she's probably an AZD or something. And like, this girl's not looking at EZD at all, but she might still have them on their house. So like, maybe this girl can be like, how about this house? And so I just like, I laugh at that because it's like stupid, that Greek life. But like, honestly, for both of us, it has been an instrumental part of our lives. But um, yeah, just, you know, getting out of the situation sometimes to get back into it is the key. At least for me, it has been. And having someone to talk to about it and 
something that I'm really, which I want to touch about the relationship thing later. I have a few other questions first, but I'm kind of at that point in my life where, you know, I'm turning 26 in two months and I'm starting to crave, like, I have so many great things going on. My career is taking off. Like I never, a year ago, I could not have pictured that I would own my own firm and I would be being successful at it or as, as successful as I have been. And I have the potential and I have a vision and I, I, I know that this could be something great. And people have told me that, but I can feel it. And I'm, you know, I log off at the end of the day and I'm like, I don't have anyone to come share this with. Like, yeah, I have my parents. I live at home. I can go tell my parents, I can tell my brother, I can tell my friends, but you know, it's not the same as like it being my person, my support system. You know, my friends are virtual. Like it's, they're in Chicago, in Chattanooga. They're not here or the ones that are here have their partners and their lives. So like, I don't get to see them or talk to them as often actually talk to the people I don't see maybe once a year. I talk to them every day because we're intentional about talking and the people I actually live in the same city as uh, I don't talk to them. I'm the same way. Cause you don't really need to. Cause it's like, we'll have an hour long brunch in a few weeks. So like, I'll save it for then. Like you want to save it. But I'm like, I wish I had my person to come share all the really cool things that I'm doing. And so having, that's kind of like my struggle right now with entrepreneurship. But like, then I have to, you know, take myself out of the moment and be like, okay, look at where you like look at where you started and look at where you are now like being grateful yeah. for everything and like taking the moments day by day and just acknowledging that like right now isn't where you want to be but like it's better than where you thought you were going to be and just enjoying that moment and just kind of like it, it's like for me being present comes with a gratitude practice and just really allowing myself to feel how I'm feeling like that's the biggest thing for me and then talking about it with people that are also in this entrepreneurship journey and struggles and like, you know, hearing their struggles and, you know, that helps me also recognize like where I'm at is really good place for the people that are, you know, current law students or, you know, younger than me that have similar goals to me and like reflecting on, like, they want to know if they want to hear from me, how did you do it? And then I like, as I'm telling them, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I learned something new about myself or about my story, like, cause they brought it up and just like, sharing my story and sharing everything I'm learning has also helped me really take note of how incredible it is. And I think that has helped me be a lot more present too, because it can't always worry about the future. You know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I can hope and dream and pray and have a vision board. And I do, but I also can't get so carried away that I'm not like, wow, like look at the opportunities in front of me because you'll miss them. Absolutely. And that's definitely a different experience for you because you don't have co-founders, right? It's just you. Just me. Exactly. So that is a very different experience than what I've had. I've always had, you know, I kind of have had a completely opposite experience of when I for year, two plus years was living and working from the same house, from a little kitchen with the same people you see 24 seven, like I was struggling with how do I get outside of here? These are the only people. It's like you eat, breathe, sleep, curtsy 24-7. You don't do anything else or have any other conversations but curtsy and these people. It's like overwhelming. I had the exact opposite where it's like, let me get out and I don't want to talk about curtsy, which was a struggle because starting a business, every time you talk to anyone, that's all they want to talk about. It's your identity. It becomes a part of your identity. Yes. And there was definitely a period of time where at some point I was at some wedding and like the 50th person to ask me and they were a good friend. So I felt okay. I was like, you know, 
I don't really want to talk about curtsy right now. And they're like, <laughs> cool. What else? You you know, just because people, that's just a common thing yeah. that people ask about. Also, yeah, it's like, kind of like in a way, like neither of us are there yet, but think about it this way, like motherhood, you know, everyone's like, you know, they want to see the baby. They want to talk to the baby. It's like, you're still a person too, just because you had a baby. You don't stop being a mom or you don't stop being a, a woman because you became a wife. And like, yeah. there's more to you. And like, you can talk about that part. At least I can't. Um, but you know, it's like, there's more to me besides the lawyer or the businesswoman or the, this or the, that, and like, who am I? And getting really, really introspective. And that's why I like yoga, like having some sort of practice where it's just you, like whether it's going for walks, you know, going for a swim, like playing with the dog, watching TV, journaling, reading a book, like whatever it is. But I, I prefer something that where you're allowed to really still think and just you know, or having, yeah, like quiet thinking where you're really able to like, okay, how am I feeling? Like I'm make doing a a pose and I'm like, Ooh, my shoulder hurts. Like, let me like, not, you know, why does my shoulder hurt? Like, like really like taking the time to, to go inward and like look at who you are and what you like. And is this working for me? Like, I love my job. I love what I do, but how is this benefiting me? Like I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating this, that, whatever. Like, you know, I think, yeah, it's like funny having the opposite experience. Like I struggle with, because I don't talk to people all day, unless I'm on a call, like I'm a, I'm by myself. So I'm just like, I crave protection. Yeah. I want my friends. I want to go do stuff, but like they're at work all day around people that they're, they like, no, I can't, like, I don't have time for you. And I'm like, but I want to hang out with you. <laughs> and so it's hard, but you know, that's why the internet's such a great place. Cause I make friends on there, but yeah, having friends for different things too. Like someone's a party friend, someone's a brunch friend, someone's a beach friend, someone's, you know, yoga, like you meeting different people in different places in their life and different careers and industries, I think also is really helpful too. Yeah. And I definitely appreciate it. I feel like it's kind of a growing movement, at least where work is less of a conversation. I feel like there was a period of time, maybe it's just you're further out from graduation where you would get together and everything. Hustle culture thing. It was there for a while. We're not in hustle culture anymore. We're actually like, like rising anti it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I love. Like I love being able to go out to dinner with friends and, Oh, I mean, curtsy is my life, but curtsy didn't, hasn't come up the entire night. And you know, the night is over four hours in. we haven't talked about curtsy at all. I love that. I think that's great. I mean, obviously I love talking about curtsy, but also I married my co-founder. So we have plenty of that, you know? And I think that's to talk about relationships, which is interesting. People always would say, uh, wow, like, do you just, you and Eli talk about curtsy all the time? I'm like, no, we don't ever discuss curtsy. Okay. That's well, a because you have, you have we, other co-founders. So when you talk about it, you're talking about it as a group. It's not really just you two as much. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. And so it definitely helps. Um, there's definitely instances like if we're on vacation, he's engineering. Uh, he literally built the app. And so we'll be on vacation. And I'm also like on the Instagram and I'm like, oh, someone is DMing us to this problem with the app. He's like, oh, open up his computer. You know, in that instance, obviously we'll talk about it. goes back cards. to you guys to do, you guys do two different things. So like, yeah, you guys talk about work, but like, you're not telling him what to do. He's not telling you what to do. And it's not just no. being the decision makers. And I think that really helps, but yeah, I want to, I guess we'll talk about it now. So how did you guys go from co-founders to like, I'll see you as your friends, but how did that transition work? And like, what was, I'm pretty sure your brother was like, okay, finally, but like, what was it like? Yeah. 
how did that transition happen and how did it, that it, did it change the dynamic between the co-founders? Um, that's actually a good question. That's something I would need to ask like David. I don't think so though, because so Eli and I, it is very funny. We, so as soon as I moved in, I met him literally like whenever I moved to California, June 4th, 2012, I have a bunch of 2016, a bunch of dates in my head. I'm a very date person. Me too. Um, that is literally when I moved to California. Um, I thought I was moving to downtown San Francisco. I didn't even know. I just booked a flight from Charlotte, like a week after graduation. I went to Brazil. That was my graduation present to myself. Um, it was during the Zika crisis. So tickets were cheap. So I was like, okay, let's go to Brazil. Um, went home, packed my stuff, moved to California, rolled up into a suburb. I thought I was going to live in the city, but Mountain View is literally an hour and a half south of the city, <laughs> which I had no idea. And that was the night I met him. And immediately like, you know, you know, when you like, you obviously find somebody attractive or you don't. And I did, but I wasn't ever, that's, it wasn't top of mind, you know? And I think got to know him more because I really had only met him maybe twice, but I don't really remember meeting him like just in passing and the computer science school, that's about it. And I think it was probably like December or January when I realized like, I'm in trouble. I really have a crush on this guy, you know, and you're literally living in the same house. We brush our teeth in the same bathroom. Um, so I was like, okay, I literally went on every hinge Tinder date I could. I was going on like three dates a weekend. I was like, also free food. This is great. Um, really trying to ignore everything. Um, but yeah, we ended up like, we would all go out together and we would end up just like sitting on the couch at like 4am just chatting, you know, and that happened like a few times where we would just have really big conversations, not even after always going out just whenever. Um, and then eventually I think it got to the point where it's very clear. We both like have feelings for each other. Nobody else knew that though. And we talked about it one night and then we decided, I decided, I was like, you know what? We like, we just can't do this. We are co-founders. This is ridiculous. That's not even a question. I like, I'm glad we had this conversation that we're both on the same page that we like have a crush on each other, but yeah, you uh, acknowledge like, this, but put it away. Exactly. Um, and then a few days later, I think Eli rebuttaled. He, <laughs> this is his famous quote. I'm the more like, I guess high strung is the wrong word, but I'm like very, I'm the planner. I'm, you know, Eli's chill, chill as a cucumber. I've never seen his feathers ruffled ever. And so his rebuttal, he was like, well, okay, let's, let's put this back on the table. Let's talk about this again. Like, what is the worst thing that could happen? Say something went, you know, like nobody's dying here. I've what had this conversation try? before. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. We can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but no so I, I he he was just like okay what is the worst thing that can happen and of course my mind just like, I was like oh, all this stuff anyway so he just kept at it just like why not why not try it out nothing terrible is going to come from this nobody is dying nobody you know like everything's gonna be fine so I said all right we'll try out like going on some dates but it has to be a secret because in my mind if we went on a few dates and I wasn't interested like you know I was like, also, is this Stockholm syndrome? We're in the same house. You know what? <laughs> is this like? And so I was like, he was not interested in keeping a secret. He's like, that feels weird. No. Um, I mean, I, I kind of love that to- though. I kind of love that he was like, I like you. I want people to know it. So like props to him. He was, he was not down for the secrecy, but in my mind, it would be way easier to push it all under the rug if no one ever even knew about it, if that's yeah. what I wanted to do in a few months. So yeah, we started going on little sneaky dates and 
um, at like three months, I think it took us to tell people maybe, three, but we were all living in the same house. That's the funniest so, part of secret dates is that like, they they not notice that you guys were leaving the house at the same time or like five minutes apart and you would get home five minutes apart and they're like, where were you guys? Well, we also, I'm trying to remember, like, it wouldn't be that, like, we would try to do it if I knew William, William had a girlfriend at the time, he's married now, but he had a girlfriend at the time. And like, if he was going out with her, if David was gone, it would be like, oh, who wants to go to lunch? You know? And William's like, oh, I'm going to Sandra's. And David had plans. Like, like, okay, I can Eli, come. You know? Yeah. So we would like be sneaky like that. And then we finally, I told David first in the parking lot of the Trader Joe's and he was just shocked. He had no idea. Did not handle, I mean, he handled it well, like not in a bad way. He was just just utter shock. Um, and then I told William, it took me like two weeks to tell William. I was so nervous to tell William, which is funny. And by the time I told William, I was like, well, what do you think? You know? And he was like, I feel like I kind of knew something was going on. And also yeah. like, I love Eli. Why do you, like, I, I have known him for six years. He's a great guy. Why do you think I wanted to work with him? So, you know, he was very typical. Even yeah, I had a feeling William. he would have been cool with it. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that story. Yeah. I have, similar but different situation but we can talk about that but um no I just I did it change the dynamic like I know you said you wanted to ask David but like do you think it changed the dynamic once you guys were openly dating with everybody else no um and I think I am like even though it was like my brother and David my co-founder in the same house I am very like zero PDA like I don't even look at Eli in the office I mean not really but like it we're yeah. strictly strictly business like I'm the same way absolutely like very business forward um I don't think it changed the dynamic at all I will easily disagree with him or agree with him regardless of whether he's my husband that has no and I think because we worked together before we were ever involved I don't know um we've actually worked with a lot of people over period of months before they actually even knew that we were dating um and so I would be curious what other people say but I don't think it affects personally for me no I'm not going to agree with him or disagree with him because he's my husband you know like that really doesn't and I think we both have um this I mean regardless of our relationship every decision we're making in the office is based around curtsy we both want what's best for curtsy regardless of anything else so I don't it has not changed for me no I do think though our relationship is interesting around other people because we are so business forward even if sometimes we're around friends it feels as if we're still it's like anytime we're around other people I'm still like business like forward you know so I think that dynamic is probably different than most couples who feel more comfortable to be coupley around people. I'm I'm used to kind of just being business forward, you know. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. I'm not a PDA person at all. I'm yeah, like I I can't I can't ever see myself being like super like even though like they're like my close friends and like we're all like maybe here and there when we're out drinking and we're out dancing and like, it's like a wedding or something, but like, just like on an average night, like I don't see myself, like I'm not a PDA person. I'm not going to be all over him. Lovey dovey. Like yeah. we're still going to care ourselves professionally because if anyone else asks me what I do or looks me up, they're going to see who I am. And I want yeah, I think to always be what people know me as not the girl that was all over her boyfriend at the bar. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, to each their own, you know? Uh, but I think David made a joke like it. David is also a friend outside of our co-founder relationship and outside of work, we go to dinner, you know, stuff like that. 
And I think he made a joke there. He's like, he didn't see us hold hands until like five years into our relationship or something. He was like, what is going on? You know? Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't ever cross my mind throughout the day that, that we're in a relationship. That sounds funny, but that's not, you know, it's like, it's work. Also, no, I know what you mean. What I mean. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm, I struggle with this. Cause it's like, I want, like what I was saying, like, I want that person to come home to and tell everything during, at the end of the day, but like during the day, I highly doubt you will catch me like talking to him or like, you know, I'm just not like I'm business. I am very like, you know, when, when I'm off duty, then it's a different story. But like, you know, I just, yeah, I'm very business oriented. I'm very, you know, I'm a very independent woman and I'm very strong willed on my own. Like I, I want you to know me as me and then be like, Oh, and her boyfriend and her husband. It's like, an it's a, it's an addition to my life. It's not my whole life. It's something like, this is like totally random, but like that saying, it's like, he completes me. I'm like, no, I'm a whole ass person. I'm a whole damn person on my own. Yeah. He does not complete me. He's, he's a, an, and at the end of the sentence, instead of a period, not, not the whole sentence. Um, I'm the same exact way. I'm like 100% the same way. And it's interesting too. I didn't change my last name when we got married I and it, yeah, I won't such a big, topic of conversation it be especially being from the south it is so funny everyone's like oh wow you did an interesting like oh you know they also people think it as some big feminist movement it's not but I just I'm, my brand is me like I am who I am everybody knows me as Kayla Moran yeah, it, it is would be weird I, I, I won't know who you're talking to <laughs> I also just didn't, it, I didn't put that much thought into it. I wasn't like, oh, women forward, keeping my life. I didn't put that much thought into it. I was like, this is my last name. I don't know. I don't feel like, like, this is me. I, I never considered changing my last name, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so I don't know who, who my mom raised, but I never even thought that I would change my last name, but I also didn't ever think too much about it. I was like, this is my name. It's my last name. I'm, I'm oh, I, it. I, but it is interesting. It's a big topic. It is a big topic. See, I always ask my guy friends, especially like, would this bother you? Because I don't plan to. And I have, I've had many a conversation a lot of times with men that don't understand why I don't want to change it. So I always have to like, kind of like, well, have you looked at it from this perspective, this perspective? And a lot of times I'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's rare that a guy is like, no, that's cool. Like very few of my guy friends have, have been like, oh, that's cool. My girlfriends, like we all are like, for the most part, we are all lawyers, doctors, engineers, like career women. So their brands are their names. So like, yeah, plan to, but, or like, I don't know, for the most part, the guys tend to be the ones that have a problem with this. So I have put a lot more thought into it, but like, for me, it was never like, never once have I wanted to change my name. That's so funny that it reminds me. I had never, I just have always, I, I never put that much thought into my last name. I know it's mine. I know I'm going to keep it. I never was like, oh, I have to keep it. Or I ha- I just was like, this is my last name and I'm keeping it. I didn't think much about it. Um, but at some point it's funny, like maybe after we got engaged, I was talking to some close friends of mine. Um, they are from the South. And the gal said like, oh, wow, is Eli okay with that? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, like, is Eli okay that you want to keep your last name? I was like, well, I don't, like, to me, I never it's thought about his that. decision. Yeah. Like to me, it's not about him. 
So I'm like, eh. I was I had to defend my perspective. So. Well, so then we asked you, like, it was funny. I was like, oh, like, I don't even know if I've actually even discussed this with Eli. I didn't even think to include him on the conversation. This is my name. I don't know. I, I truthfully had not even thought to bring him in on the conversation. He was in the kitchen talking with her husband. And uh, I was like, Eli, do you know I want to keep, like, I, I want to keep my last name. You know, is that a big deal? And he was like, what? <laughs> okay. What do you why are you asking me? What do you mean? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm just talking to my friend. She said, I should ask. I don't know. He was like, you don't need to tell me that. Sure. What? Okay. It's your name. I'm not changing my last name. I don't want to change my last name. It's a, you know, so yeah, it was not a topic conversation. I, that my, my goal in life is that it's not, but you know, I, yeah. I, I've always, maybe we can find I don't think, I don't know. I, I definitely think you can be with people who have different opinions. Absolutely. But maybe when you have found the right person, it'll be a similar conversation of like, well, yeah, why would you change your last name? I don't know. I'm yeah. not changing mine. That's my, my thing is like in, in the perfect world, it's like, oh, I don't care. Or why would you like, you've built all this on your own. Cool. Like I yeah. love that for you. Like if you want to, awesome. If you don't, awesome. You're such a badass. You've got great SEO. You don't need to change that. <laughs> But it's not even that. It's just like, for me, before I was even a lawyer or a businesswoman, like that definitely has been a part of it after. And it, I that's the first thing I say when I go to defend my me not changing it to guys. But it's usually like, everyone knows me as Kayla Moran because Kayla is a common name. So like, I was always both names. I don't have a middle name. So it was always Kayla Moran or Moran. Like when I was in college, the frat boys, they call each other by names. Their nicknames are last names. So like yeah. I was Moran. So I'm like, I kind of yeah. have a sentimental attachment to it. Like, I like my name. Like, What's I don't- you? It's your name. It's my name. <laughs> um, No, yeah. so, okay. Anyway, enough about the relationship stuff. I just really wanted to ask because like, that's such an interesting dynamic. Um, And it's something that always people are curious about when they see like best friends working together or partners working together. So I'm really glad to hear that it really wasn't that big of a change for you guys. Like it just, it, it kind of happens and it was, it's like an- and aside, it's not like a focal point. Um, now, what is something that you have learned over the last eight years of being an entrepreneur on a personal level and about business? Like what's the biggest lesson you've learned? So I guess about business, this is kind of about business, kind of not, but outside of being a doctor or like being a lawyer, going to law school, um, your college major does not define you and does not need to tell you who you can become or who you want to be. I feel like getting a major in college is like the number one thing. You're like, what should my major be? How do you know? Most people, there's a few people I know who maybe wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or something big. They've always known what they wanted to do. Vast majority of people are, I'm assuming, kind of like me, wandering around as a 17-year-old, getting into college, 18-year-old. Like, I don't know how are you supposed to pick what your entire life is going to be when you, your frontal lobe is not fully formed? So I think that was one of the things that I thought in college, I have to do what my major is. So I have to pick something like, and I was concerned about it. I was worried about it. The amount of people I've seen out here who do nothing, what their major is, you can totally redefine yourself. You can also be 25 and decide you want to enter now become a saleswoman or salesman or whoever and change your entire career path. So I think that is something that is cool that I didn't realize. There are a few career paths, like some engineering stuff like that, but a lot, especially in the marketing realm is total free for all, 
One of my uh, best friends, and this is very Mississippi of me, now turned cousin. She married my first cousin. My my best friend in college married my first cousin. Very Mississippi. And <laughs> she is like a director of marketing or something at Grove. And um, her major in college was chemical engineering. And, just, you know, started in the That's work field right after one. college. Yeah. And was like, this is not, this is not for me. This is not the lifestyle I want. And is now like 29 years old, badass marketer. I mean, doing so well for stuff. So I think that's one thing for business. And then what's the other question you asked? Personal. Personal. Like something or, about you that you've learned through entrepreneurship. Yeah. You can be whoever the hell you want to be. You can. Um, so biggest thing also is everyone is making it up. Everyone is making it up just as you are. Being 21, I was so nervous getting on calls with people who were older than me. And there's been many times in Curtsy where I've worked with people or people have worked for me technically who are twice my age or what, you know, whatever. Um, and it's imposter syndrome. You know, everyone has some sort of imposter syndrome, but I think I learned that everybody has imposter syndrome. Even somebody who's twice your age, who's working for you, they have like, everybody has imposter syndrome. So just learning to be confident in whatever you're doing. Um, even if you think somebody has it figured out, they don't, they just are good at research and using Google and figuring out as they go along. I think I felt like the biggest fraud coming out here at 21. Just, I felt like I was pretending at everything I was doing. And I felt like a fraud, like I don't actually know what I'm doing. And then I realized, okay, everyone is doing the same thing. And then once you get enough practice, you start to learn some stuff, but you still are making it up as you go along. So I think that was just the biggest thing is just being un being comfortable with the um, with the uncomfortable of not knowing and then being able to learn it and realizing everyone else is doing the same thing. So it doesn't matter who they are. They're still learning as they go along and there's a lot they don't know. So that, and then also the last thing is asking questions. I think I started out early on feeling like I had to pretend like I knew everything or like I knew what I was doing. Um, and obviously that's not ask questions when you don't, you know, if you, if someone has said something in a meeting that you don't understand, or maybe you should know it, but who cares? Just ask, I don't understand this at all. Please explain this. Or I don't know what that is. I think I was hesitant to ask questions early on out of fear that it would make me look dumb or that I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then I realized all the smartest people around me were the ones who were asking the questions. So I think that was the second thing too. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, you know, I don't like calling it imposter syndrome. I like calling it an imposter moment because it shouldn't, it shouldn't linger. Like it's okay that you don't know, or that you don't feel like you belong there. You do, you wouldn't be there if you didn't have the opportunity. So ask the question, go up to the person that you think is doing so much better than you have a conversation with them you'll realize that they're just making it up along the way and that, you know, there's fake it till you make it is a real thing. And then eventually once you feel like, I think once you become a lot more confident and the uncomfortable, you, you like you're okay with look like asking questions and like playing the game and like sometimes playing dumb to get what you want or asking the question, realizing that there's power in that. And I think not focusing on like the mistakes or the the bad days or like what am I doing here and just realizing like you literally would not be there if like everything happens for a reason like you wouldn't be there if you weren't meant to be there is a reason why you have that opportunity even if you don't understand it right now and you may not know it for a few years but like just 
you know, take it day by day. And also with the whole major thing, it's funny because my brother is a marketing major. He just graduated and he's in that, he wants to do what his degree is. And I was like, let that go. Who the fuck cares? Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, yes, I went to law school and yes, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but when I, first of all, you don't need the literally med school is the only like program that you need to have the prereqs like any of the medical programs you need to have the prereqs any other master's program it doesn't matter what your undergrad is you will learn it in school and then yet in law school you still don't learn anything you don't learn to how to actually be a lawyer fun fact um but when that, I, that's also how every major is I think if you major yeah. in journalism you still don't know anything until you, you actually start doing it, it internships in practice hands-on experience is the best thing so if you don't know what you want to be intern everywhere try a little bit of everything and I promise you you'll find something or you might just create it like I literally created my career because I got to law school and I was like yeah I don't really like any of this shit that these people are doing but like I see the value in being a lawyer and like I'm a content creator and I'm working with brands and contracts and like lawyers do contracts and like why not? And I took a risk and I it paid off. And like, here I am a year later, literally I found out I passed the bar exam a year ago yesterday. If you would have told me no, on September 19th, 2022, when I found out that I passed the bar exam, meaning I had done everything right. I did it all. And I got the degree and I got the license. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I had, yeah. like, I, like I, I knew, but like, I, if you would have told me a year ago, that where I was, would be at today, I wouldn't have believed you. I could not fathom it because it was an idea, but I was still looking for jobs because I still had been convinced that like I needed to get a real lawyer job. And you don't, yes, yes. you don't want to, like you can make it up as you go and it works. And like, when you start putting out there that you're making it up as you go, people are going to be like, oh my God, I did that too. And like, it's been three years. And like, look, like literally yesterday, I was having a call with a woman and her husband, very similar to you guys, co-founders, And he was a sales guy and she's a lawyer and she worked in big law. She made it all the way up to partner. And then she had a baby COVID and then was like, this isn't really working anymore. And he was like, I think you should open your own firm and like do all the things that you love without the stuff that you don't love. And I'm going to help you get there because I see your vision. He pushed her to do it. She's doing it. It's been three years. And he told me not just, she told me this too, but he told me this, which was like even more validating because I had already met her and I followed her and like, I knew her, like we were in the same, like this guy, like we were on a networking call with him. And he was like, I see a lot of her in you. Like, but what's really cool is that it took her going all the way through the process and making it to the top before she realized it. And you realized it so early on. I think you're going to exceed where she's at in a few years. Like, I'm so excited to see where things go for you. Like keep doing what you're doing. And that was so valid to me because a year ago, would not have believed you. And I, I think you could say the same thing. When you first started, you were 21 in Mississippi, in a sorority, you, you were sharing causes and you were like, oh, this is something. Like you had no idea it was going to be what it is today. No, it's funny though. People always ask, you know, I guess, where do you see curtsy in five years? Or how did you, did you always believe in curtsy? And I feel like as a founder or somebody starting something, you have to kind of have some like unfounded faith in yourself, right? You have to like internally just, um, and it's probably not like fully, like you've got to believe in yourself more than maybe even sometimes you should. Um, yeah. you have to be like a little, a little delusioned enough to I think was gonna that say, you it's like can't. Delulu is the Salulu. Like it's true. And we laugh about it. It's a joke. It's funny. It's trend, but like, it's, it's kind of true. Yeah. Wait, I don't think I've heard that trend. 
Oh, it's like there's a whole thing on TikTok. It's like Delulu is the Salulu, like solution. Oh no, I had to del- I had to delete TikTok. I had to in my in my you know, to be more present. I had to delete TikTok and Instagram from my phone. Fair enough. I, I deleted Facebook for a really long time. I'm only on Facebook now for like professional stuff. Like I don't I don't scroll Facebook because it was just too much. Um, but I I feel that. But yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think you do kind of have to have an unfounded faith in yourself a little more than you should. Because if you don't believe in it, who else is going to? No one else is going to provide that. Yeah. And so you have to, yeah, you have to think you're good enough a little bit that you you can do this. And I think um, I think the people that don't have that are the ones that aren't starting a business or aren't aren't doing what you're doing, going out, out on their own. Um, so you, you have to have a, throw a little bit of delusion in there, sprinkle it on top and be good yeah and it's okay too if like you tried and you're like yeah actually this isn't working and pivot and like go back to a nine to five or go back change courses completely like go get another degree to start something else or you know take a class at the community college or you know change jobs like it's always okay to start like literally nowadays you are not married to anything permanently it's not forever like you can you can try new things you can change things up you can try again and that's the beauty. I also do think we are. there's a little bit of a trend of like the only way to live is not having a nine to five and going out on your own and starting something. Like I feel like that's such a trend. Like every other TikTok I hate video that I've because seen was not people. everyone that doesn't work for everyone. And we need we need bank tellers. We need people who work customer service nine to five jobs. You know, we need the people at the grocery store who check us out. Like I hate self check Oh, like we need also people who not everyone is interested yeah, yeah not everyone I have plenty of friends who love this stable that's what they love that's what they're good at they they do really well like that's what they want is the stability I personally like a little bit of instability I don't like knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing every single day that's how I kind of thrive is the switch up but there's so many people that want the you know here's exactly what you're going to be doing every day um, and that yeah. is great. So I think I don't love the whole concept that I see all over TikTok is you're not living your life unless you quit and sell everything and become a something, you know, which is a little, a little like fairy dusty. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think the best thing anyone can do is like, we live in a world where nowadays there's so much access to information and education and you could literally do anything you want. So try everything you want to try to figure out what it is. And if you got to pivot, pivot, but it's also okay. If you don't like something, like it's okay to not like something. It's okay to, you know, want the stability or want the comfort or, you know, to want to, you know, do something a little bit more traditional, or it's okay to be completely like out of the box left field, like, who literally who's going to stop you the only person who's going to stop you is you and I think yeah like you just have to believe that and you know look inward and be like okay this is what feels right so I'm going to lean into this and if it no longer feels right you stop leaning into it like it's really that simple and I hate the noise of like to be successful you got to do this this, this. that works for them but that's not necessarily like gonna work for you and that's okay yeah I wanted to touch on briefly when you were hiring, I know you guys are a small team, like really small and mighty. How did you like, was that intentional? Like you always wanted to keep it small. Like, were you ever bigger and then scaled back? Like when you're looking at delegating roles and hiring and looking to expand, you know, what, 
how did you approach that? And what do you look for when hiring someone at Curtsy? Yeah. So hiring, interesting, interesting, interesting question. Hiring is probably the hardest thing we have ever done. So back when we, we have scale, but we have had two days of like massive layoffs in our history. I guess the first one wasn't massive, but when we pivoted to from rental to buy and sell after that camping trip, we were working with maybe three or four other women, maybe three women like full time. But yeah, we had to come back and literally lay off everybody, but almost the four of us. And I think we had a few people on customer support. Um, but to make that happen, to make the pivot, we couldn't afford to keep everybody on. We didn't have, we were running out of money. And so we had to come back and literally lay off um, half of, if not, or more than half of the company. And that was devastating and hard and not fun because that was the time where um, you're really close. We were really young. So like these girls I was friends with, you know, it was not, it was, it was shitty. There's no other way around it. There was no, choice, but I still put that on us. Like we, we'd literally be shutting down the company if we had to keep everybody on. But, um, I put that still on us. We weren't able to grow enough to be able to keep everybody on. So that was our first round of layoffs. And then we had a second round of big layoffs in February of 22. I think we had a massive year in 2021 and then very quickly realized that was a COVID year for e-commerce. Um, that year though was, I mean, curtsy was just shooting off like a rocket we could not like every single day our servers were breaking because so many more people were on the app. It was a, it was putting out fires left and right. And we went through a round, which literally most every tech company I know did this like Facebook, Instagram, all of those massive tech companies just way overhired for, we just 2021 was just rocket year. Everyone was overhiring. We hired, I don't even like 20 ish people. I want to say during that year, and then very quickly realized, okay, this is an isolated year. And same with everybody else, Facebook, Instagram, we came to the decision that we had to lay off like two thirds of people who work at Curtsy. Um, just looking at the finances, looking at post COVID, looking at the odds of being able to raise more money. Um, we, this was several years ago, um, this is where several investors are actually told us like, you know, maybe now is the time you should close up shop. We actually had several investors tell us, eh, I don't know if this is going to work out for you. We chose not to listen to them and it worked out in our favor. Um, but yeah, that was also really difficult. Um, we had spent literally a whole year minus the difficulty of laying someone off who you're close with, who you've worked with for a year. Like that is just always shitty. There's that's never going to get better. Um, and I always say you can never feel too bad for yourself because you're the person who still has the job. You're not the person who was just laid off. So like, you can't, you can't feel that bad. Um, but I think also the hard thing is we had spent a year of our time, like four of us spent an entire year of our time in hiring. Like we had done almost nothing on the product. Like 2021 was a bad year for curtsy innovation because all we were doing was hiring. Um, the amount of time it takes in hiring uh, is far more than we could have ever imagined. Finding the right fit, finding the right culture fit, or you know, just everything. So we spent a whole year working to hire, um, only to lay off not everybody, but uh, two, maybe not fully two thirds, maybe like sixty percent of people. Um, and yeah, that was devastating to let everybody go. I guess the only, the silver linings of those are we were then able 
laying off people didn't make us profitable. We still then had to work for another year on all different things on Curtsy to, to become profitable. Um, but that gave us more time. We went from being startup founders and launching new features and, and uh, really innovating the app daily, weekly, we would launch something exciting and new to then spending a whole year of Curtsy was not, there was nothing innovative about Curtsy in 2021 because all we were doing is hiring and leading a team. And then we kind of got to go back to a middle ground of leading a team, but you also still have time to work on the product. And so right now we're kind of in that exact happy medium of we have an awesome team. I love every single person we work with. Um, so getting to split leading a team with also still having plenty of time to work in the product and innovate. So I think, I mean, we've learned so much in hiring. We've, we've made plenty of mistakes over the years. Um, but in general, I think at least for a company that is as small as, as ours is, um, people, I guess people-wise, still being able to have enough time to kind of making sure you you grow your team in the way that you don't go from zero to 100. You're working 100% on courtesy to then becoming a leader where you're doing nothing. You know, trying to find that like middle ground is important, which is what we have now, which has been working really well for the last almost two years, year and a half, which have loved. Um, I think there's in growing a company, doing it, I guess, a bit slower is the way to go. It's just slowly hiring. We were pretty early to do layoffs, I guess, on kind of, but then in 2022, I don't know if you had friends that were affected, but like San Francisco just was just like nuts with probably later 2022, every single tech company was just doing massive layoffs, Facebook, Instagram, Uber, like yeah, I remember Twitter. Hearing about it. I don't know personally anybody who was affected, but I still have friends without jobs from like a year ago. Um, the tech company was really affected um, this year and definitely end of last year. Just everyone did a, a huge hiring scale as we did in 2021 and then realized that's too much and had to pull back in 2022. Um, so yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you talked about like that happy medium because I think it's really important to note to like, what you guys did wrong. And so you don't make the same mistake twice, but I think it's also really valuable that it happened. So you guys are aware of it and you're more intentional again, going back to being intentional, but I think just being intentional in hiring and who you're hiring and, you know, the vision, the company culture, building that out and, you know, what you guys are looking for, not just in the vision for the company moving forward, but also the people, are they the right kind of people to bring about that vision. And when they're no longer the right person, then having to have that hard conversation and knowing, you know, you have the, you know, you put, you put the reps in, like you've done it before. It's not the end of the world, but you know, it still hurts and acknowledging that it hurts, but you know, this is, you know, this is still the right decision. Like no one wants to get divorced, but like, sometimes you just know that you have to, and like, it's, it's okay. So no, I really like that. And can you talk a little bit about Curtsy and what it is now that it's a buy-sell, like for anyone who doesn't, who's not familiar with it, or like me, who doesn't really like the idea of buying clothes that has been worn before. So what is Curtsy and how people use it? Yeah, so Curtsy, we have, uh, Curtsy is a resale community of women across the U.S. Currently, we're only in the U.S. Um, and primarily on uh, uh, iOS, so an iPhone app. We do also have web, so 
curtsyapp.com. But I recommend the best way to shop or sell on Curtsy is going to be the our iPhone app, but you can also do it online. Um, and what is it? How do people use it? Like, oh, right, right, right. Okay. and for someone who doesn't like the idea of, you know, buying clothes that's already been worn, like you told me, you were telling me last time that there's like a new with tags feature and like there's different buttons, there's different search capabilities. Yeah. Like, and how is it different from like, let's say Poshmark, like your bigger, I think one of your biggest competitors. Basically curtsy. I think, I think of curtsy. I'll, I'll first talk about some differentiators. Um, Poshmark is they have everything. They have like house stuff. They have like paintings. They have children's shoes. They have everything. They're, they're not, they don't have a specific niche. If I know something very specific, I want say size 10 and a half Jordans, pink Jordans, or I know exactly what I want. Sure. Let me go to Poshmark and search that. And I'm sure some options will come up. Um, what Poshmark is not for me is like a, a discovery platform. I actually am not a big shopper. I hate having to sort through stuff. I like it to be fed to me easily. Um, so what's appealing to me is going to Revolve or Nordstrom or Free People or whatever and being able to know, okay, most of these clothes on here, I'm going to like the style so I don't have to sort through so, so much, which on most resale platforms or like a Goodwill or another thrifting store, you've got to do a hell of a lot of sorting. It's not, it's not you know, sorted out for you. And that's where Curtsy is different. So that's where we hope to excel is, yes, you can search stuff on Curtsy, but your primary uh, way of discovering new items is because we fed them to you. We know your size. You have everything in your size down from your bra size. If you want to add that into your shoe size, to your pants, jeans, all of that is in there. So everything you're seeing is automatically in your size, which actually does not work well on most other apps. Um, and we also know your style preferences. We know what you've been looking at, what you've loved, your favorite brands. And so when you scroll down to the featured sort, you're seeing everything that you have purchased or you would want to purchase items in your size and your styles. So you're not having to kind of like bargain bin sort, if you will. Um, if you are not a shopper who likes resale, that's fine. We have a whole new with tags category, which these items, every seller has their ratings. So I would be hard pressed to think you would not feel comfortable purchasing from a seller. She's got her Instagram linked. You can tap on her Instagram and see who is this girl selling me this piece of clothing. Um, you could shop if you want to. You can shop from sellers who have, you know, 100 plus five star reviews. You can see every review from the previous buyers of telling you it arrived XYZ. You can buy it new with tags if you want to, meaning you know who you're buying this from. You could see what state they're coming from. You could see your Instagram. Um, I would be hard pressed to not think you would be comfortable with purchasing this piece. And then with curtsy, if anything ever arrives and it's not the right size or it actually is damaged or it arrives different than described, you will absolutely get a full refund. We have a great customer um, support group. And so you can write into the app. It's super simple. Um, that's another area where we really pride ourselves in is customer service. Um, most apps you write into an email and you hear back in like two to four business days, we have just like a little in-app chat. It looks just like an iMessage and you on good days, you'll hear back in about 20 minutes, but I think on average, you'll hear back within like under an hour, just from like the in-app chat. And so that's something that we absolutely resale is new for a lot of people. People don't know how to sell if they've never sold or you, you've never bought, you have questions about it, you don't know. So we want to be there for you to answer any questions and help resolve any, um, any, I guess, things you're scared of or purchasing re items that have been resold. Um, the biggest brands on Curtsy are pretty unsurprising. If you know, like majority of people who use Curtsy are college women across the States. I mean, it's, 
Princess Polly, Free People, Lululemon, Nike, Athleta, um, Aritzia, Zara. Those are all like the top brands that are bought and sold on Curtsy. Um, so yeah, that's my my Curtsy spiel. I'm curious for no. you, what are your biggest concerns of shopping resale? Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I like, I, I want, I wanted you to like give the little pitch just for people who may have never heard of it. I remember hearing about it in college. I think I was still in college. And it was like, people were like shopping for formal dresses and things like that on curtsy and, or we had like curtsy ambassadors on campus, I think is what it was. And like one of the majority sisters was an ambassador and she was like sent handing out like stickers and stuff. And I was like, oh, interesting. But I, I am the type of person, my biggest thing in general, I think it's partially online shopping as a whole, because I like still trying things in store. I'm not proportionate at all so like very rarely do I buy something online and it's not or in in store either but it's not gonna have to be tailored it's not like you know I want to be able to see how it actually fits on me and I don't mind shopping online if I already know my size I already know the fit I already know like you know and they have a good return policy I don't want to pay to return things like, yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's a pain in the butt. So that's like my biggest thing with online shopping as a whole. And then I have never been like my, and it's, it depends on also like for sure your financial circumstances and how you grew up. And like, I'm, you know, a very big thing in Hispanic culture is you get a new outfit for events. Like every time, like Christmas Eve, you had to have a brand new outfit for Christmas Eve. You had to have a brand new outfit for the communion and the baptism and the wedding and the, this and the, that. And like, it was fun. It was the chase of like the new outfit. So I've always been the type of person of like, I want something new. And I try to get pieces that I will rewear for other events or like my mom and I, for the most part, can share certain things. My cousins have always used, all of my dance costumes have become Halloween costumes at some point. Um, I'm sure my kids will use them too. (laughs) Like they're probably still going to be around at that point. Like they use my dresses. I've used my aunt's dresses like shoes, we share shoes, we share bags, like, you know, so that's where I kind of get my like stuff that I, you know, rewear from other people type of thing. Like I have access to multiple closets. So I've never really needed to go and get things resale or like lower price because I'm not a big shopper. I tend to wear the same jeans and t-shirt every day. And then if I need something for an event, I'm going to go get an event piece. So that's okay. And then I have a wardrobe for that. But the other aspect of it that is like, which we were talking about last time is like the hygiene aspect. Like, I just don't know who wore this or where it comes from. So I do like that you were saying like you could go see the girl, you can go see the profile, you can see the reviews. Cause if I were to ever buy thrift store related or like resell or anything, I would probably use curtsy versus like not knowing like where it came from, like Goodwill, like a thrift store. Like you can find really cool stuff. I see it all the time, but like, I'll do it for like homeware or like things that I can like, wash sanitize polish clean art but like shoes and clothing iffy it depends on the item and definitely not bras and underwears or things like that like you know that is always or baby that's always wearing you can clothes that are like like, that's that's always going to be a little like i don't know so here's yeah we don't sell any underwear and then like sports bras can be new with tags but um so yeah, here's how I would think you would potentially shop curtsy and how I also shop curtsy as well. Like if I do have an event, I obviously go to curtsy first and see see what's on there. I definitely think it's a learned behavior, right? So 2016, when we were launching this rental and then even when we pivoted to buy and sell, 
almost every person we talked to had the same reaction you did of saying like, I'm not going to wear somebody else's clothes. What are you talking about? In the last six, seven, eight years, the amount of people who have now been introduced to the resale experience, it's a learned experience. Once you understand how it works, the barriers to entry and barriers to actually getting on the app and looking for something are so, it's easy. But where I could see you thriving is, and this is where I say, why would you not? Is say you, like I wear Lululemon to work out. I have I know my size in Lululemon leggings and yoga pants and top and sports bra. So I have on curtsy, the ones saved. I work out every single day. So I need constant kind of like new um, actual like working out clothes. I don't know, not every quarter, but I need to put some new ones in rotation and I have it saved. So when somebody adds a size like eight Lululemon, the tank top that I like, I will get notified. And so if one pops up, it's new with tags and it is literally $50 cheaper and it's on curtsy, why would I not? And so that's yeah. something that I could see potentially you, if you have a few workout clothes, you know, you like, or something specific. Like I got a hole in my Abercrombie jeans the other day. I know exactly my size. And because I haven't had them very long, I like ripped them on the side. I know exactly the pair and size I need. So I searched it on curtsy, boom, they're new with tags, $60 cheaper than online. Why would I not? But that's something that yeah. I'm used to doing. It's a learned behavior I, for sure. Like that's what you thought. And yeah. I think it's like a habit. You have to get into the practice of it. And like, if it pops up, like I'll check it out. And like, you know, I also, I'm trying. And I think another reason why resale became big is sustainability. And like, obviously it's not going to waste. I think that's a big part of why it became such a big thing and like a conversation starter. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I know. And like, I think I, I, I'm, again, like learned behavior. I'm going to have to try it out. I can't say I don't like something if I've never tried it. It just has never been something that I did like growing up. Like that was just not how I shopped. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I think if it's something specific that I'm looking for, like you said, like, it's like you, you already know your size and things. It's a lot more doable. I'm not going to go on there and be like, what is there out there today? Like, that's not what it's for. I'm like, that's also not how I shop. Like I, go shopping when I need something. Otherwise I have a lot of clothes. Do you have a curtsy account? No, I need to make one. Okay. Make a curtsy account. Text me. I'm going to give you some credit. I want to, I want you to experience. I'm curious. Honestly, we're turning this into a I'll make a video. I'll make a TikTok about it, about my first time shopping on curtsy. I'm so interested. Send me your feedback, especially as somebody who is, um, and I think also you're, you're, you're just old enough, you're still young, but you're just old enough to where like, I don't know anybody. Very few people though, who are like total, like really young Gen Z who are in college right now are going to not be interested in a resale experience. And, and one of the things I do love, yes, it is more sustainable. I also love the fact that for so many college women where Lululemon previously was completely unattainable, spending $128 on a pair of leggings is just not gonna happen. They have the option to still wear Lululemon if they want to for these more affordable prices. And so for a lot of college women who say they're working two jobs and they're paying for college, they can still wear the brands that they love and they can have a rotating closet. On Curtsy, what we kept from our rental days um, is I actually bought this on Curtsy. Um, I wear this on my moped because it is literally bright, bright red. Um, But there was something else I had just bought too like a more of a statement piece, you buy it, it gets goes into your curtsy closet. Say I wear it once, it's a dress to a wedding, I wear it once, I can tap one button on the app, and it pops back on the app, you just edit the description for whatever you want. And it is for resale. 
So a lot of college women will use their like one stop. We were saying like a christening or like a, a Christmas party or something. They can still have a rotating closet and then they paid almost nothing for the item. They bought it for 30, wear it once. If it was worn once, they can sell it back for $30 and they make back what they earned and they still got to wear it. And so that's one of the cool things though, is just I think I would benefit a lot from that. Like when I buy something that's for an event, that's like very niche or like, I don't foresee myself wearing it again, but like, I want to wear it. Like I was, I remember I had a gala in February, like the Cuban American Bar Association. And I was like, I'm not yet going to galas frequently. And like, I'm probably not going to rewear the same dresses because I'm going to be around the same people. So like, they're going to remember it. So I like, I ended up getting a dress at one a local boutique that was like, I think it was like 90 bucks. So it wasn't expensive. And it, it's a it was a gold dress. Like I can get more use out of it if I ever have like a New Year's Eve party or like a New Year's Eve wedding or something like I can get use out of it. But like if I wouldn't have gone with the dress that was gold that I could probably wear more ways and I would have gone a little bit more like statement piece, I would probably go on curtsy and like, you know, okay, then resell it back. So I think that's a way that I would get use out of it. But no, I was thinking about it. I want to try it out. Like I generally want to try it. So let's see how I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to make an account. I'll let you know. And then I will make a TikTok about my experience with it as someone literally like as who's like, I've never done this before. Yes. I'm just curious. I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think it's true what you said. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, especially for, yeah. Like it's when you're like, you're not, you're not old, but like you're old enough. I'm like, it's fine. I'm it's it's okay. Um, I, 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 sometimes I feel like I'm like 12 and other times I feel like I'm 30 because I've just gone through so much and I feel like so much happens to me and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I'll, I look 16. I'll take it. Um, still, still spring chicken. yeah, but, uh, I, I love what you said about college specifically for college girls. Like, yeah, especially if they're working, they're going to school full-time, they have student loans, like they're paying for their sorority. And then they feel like they have to look the part. It, it makes it so much easier to, you know, when you look good, you feel good. And you want to, it's stupid, but you do want to look like your contemporaries and your peers. And like, if that's going to allow them to do it, I think that's a really great tool. And I love that that's what Curtsy is about. And, you know, so I I think it's an incredible pro like app and like platform. And I think it's really says a lot about you guys that that has been your vision first and foremost. And that even now that you guys are, you know, not in the college age, that's still something that is super important to you. And I just, I love seeing the evolution of it and how, you know, and hearing your story of how you guys built it and continue to evolve with the times. Yeah, this has been absolutely incredible. What's like parting thoughts, like one piece of advice for someone who you know, maybe is coming out of college or in their first job. And they're like, I don't really know. Where do I go? Like, what do I do? Like, I don't know if I like this job. I don't know if I like this career. Maybe I want to do my own thing. Not really sure who I am or what I want yet. Like, what's your biggest piece of advice for someone? Yeah, I think be relentless in trying new things out and connecting and using your network, even if your network is your dad or your mom, you know, like using your network to just talk and learn, try to learn more about who you are. Be relentless in getting to know yourself so then you can better potentially understand what else is out there. And I also think use your connections, any friends, talk to them about their jobs. Because I think there are also, I've, I feel like I, I regularly hear of specific niche jobs people are doing. I'm like, how did you even find this specific job out? And a lot of times it's a friend of a friend had the same, you know, had the same job and they were interested in it. So just be relentless in getting to know you and 
what you like to do. Um, I think personally, I was pretty bad at that because I am a planner and I plan everything else for everybody else. And I, I'm sometimes bad at looking inward and do I actually like doing this myself? And so I think that, and then, yeah, just using, using your network and talking to anybody and everybody who will listen and answer your calls about what they're doing. And, and the more you learn about what else is out there, the more, you know, so that's, that's what I would say. No, that's absolutely incredible. Something that the attorney and her husband told me yesterday, and it, and it's basically what you just said, your network is your net worth and it's limitless. Like you literally do anything you want. You just got to see what's out there. And I like that. Be relentless in figuring out who you are and using that information to guide you, I think is absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, Clara, for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone find you and where can everyone find Curtsy? I'll link them below. Awesome. Um, I am not like an influencer or anything, but um, Clara Agnesalt is my Instagram and Curtsy. You can find us on the app store. Just type in Curtsy and we pop right on up. We do have a website. So you can type in like Curtsy app on Google and we will come up. But yeah, thank you so much. This has been so awesome getting to chat with you. 